0: Hi, I'm Adrienne. I help people tell the stories they were told not to talk about. Maybe by their own inner critic. Maybe by the world. Either way, I'm here to serve as a kind of story midwife, birthing these beautiful naked narratives and helping them thrive. Telling our own stories and speaking our own truth should be the easiest thing in the world. But it's not. We all get blocked. We all feel censored, stymied, or silenced at times. We struggle to find the right entry point, to articulate the message we want to convey, and to identify the ideal audience to receive it. And that, my friends, is where I come in. I'm a professional brand voice consultant and story coach. I help entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, storytellers, and anyone else who is ready to start living out loud to deliver their authentic voice directly to those who most need to hear it. Are you ready to get authentic? Good, because that's allowed. Hey everyone, welcome to the That's Aloud podcast. I'm your hostess with the mostess, Adrienne McKeon. And today we are here with Unika. Why don't you introduce yourself, darling?
1: Hi, my name is Unika and I am an author and public speaker. And I wrote a book about self-reinvention. It's called The Glow Up and it's basically about my transformation of how I grew up in foster care and started dancing as a teenager. And then I turned my life around um, to do something more with myself and more with my purpose, which is sharing my story and sharing how I changed with other people.
0: That's beautiful. So the purpose of my podcast is to go a little bit deeper and tell maybe parts of the story that you aren't telling yet. Mm -hmm. So the next question I always ask is what is the story that you're not telling?
1: The story that I'm not telling is the story that I just found out. Um, myself. What's that? When I was, when I was two years old, um, I was separated from my mother, me and my brother um, by my father. And um, when he took us, he, you know, told us that basically, like, she didn't want us, and um, 26 years later, I'm 28, I grew up in foster care from the time I was 11, that's another story, Mm -hmm. Um, but I grew up in foster care, so I didn't know my mom, I didn't know what she looked like or anything, up until about a month ago, when I found my family on the internet, so, that is a story that people don't know because I didn't know myself until recently.
0: Wow, that's incredible. So you just met your mom like a month ago.
1: Well, my mom passed away, oh, so I'm so sorry. um I didn't get a chance to meet her yes so. yeah.
0: um,
1: but I did get a chance to meet my, her family, like her siblings. She had eight siblings, so wow. I got to meet the majority of them. um I keep in contact with them, and I met my cousins. Um, so I met my family. I had a brother, um, that was looking for me, He's my older brother. And he, he remembered me, um, when I was younger as a baby, he remembered. And so, um, that's very special to me. And I'm going to tell that story, but I haven't told it yet.
0: Well, I'd love to hear it. (laughs) So where does that start for you?
1: I'm moving to Houston with my family. Well, I'm not moving with, in with them, but I'm getting uh, somewhere to stay in Houston for me and my son.
0: Mm-hmm. And then what happens? And I'm,
1: I'm going to start, you know, my journey there, continue with writing and speaking and helping people the most way that I can. Absolutely. So what comes next for you? Well, I'm making a documentary right now wow. on just basically my journey um, here in Jacksonville, Florida, where I currently reside. So I'm making um, a documentary about, it's called The Glow Up, Up Documentary. It goes with my book. Mm-hmm. And it's basically talking about my life in Jacksonville. Um, my foster parents, some of my foster parents are going to um, be speaking about, you know, what they remember about me growing up as a child. And um, some of my friends here are going to speak about my journey. And me, I actually went to L.A. Um, to find my mom before. And I lived there. So some people remember that. So I'm going to, you know, speak about that as well.
0: So you tried to find your mother before?
1: Yes. I mm-hmm. When I was 20, um, I caught the Greyhound from Florida to L.A. for three, It took three days to get there. And I was looking for her. And I stayed there for 10 months um, looking for her because I was born in Ventura, California. Mm -hmm. So when I went there to get my birth certificate, I had her name. So I started looking for her.
0: But you weren't able to find her at that time?
1: No, I wasn't.
0: Had she left California?
1: Yes, she had left California. She was in Virginia, but I didn't know.
0: Mm. Yeah. So what was it like when when you met your family for the first time?
1: It was a my son's in here That's um, no problem. it was a feeling it was indescribable. um, I always felt like an outcast yeah. um with my stepmom's family because we were taken for because of abuse, but with her family, and I always felt like I didn't fit in mm-hmm. and my personality, I always felt like. I had to calm down and I I didn't feel like I could be myself. So when I got with my family, it was just a feeling instantly it just felt like I was at home, like I could be me, and then I'm with people that are similar to me and that kind of understand. And they tell me stories about, you know, my mom and the way she was and they see things in me. You know, I didn't get to be around her, but just me how I am, they see her and me so it's a good feeling it's a yeah. very good
0: feeling that feeling of belonging is really really powerful isn't it yes yeah. it is. so what's blocked you from telling this story before I guess it's just that you didn't
1: know <laughs> yeah I didn't know everyone knew I was in foster care yeah but everyone I mean I didn't know either everyone knew I was in foster care and people like when I used to argue with people you know how they'll try to say something bad. So they're like, oh, well, your mom didn't want you. Or that's why your mom didn't want you. So people knew that I didn't know my mom and people knew Mm -hmm. that I was in foster care. But, you know, I didn't know that my mom really did want me and she really did look for me, Um, but she couldn't, you know, find me. But um, it's just a, I just, I feel very in tune with myself and with my family now. It's a feeling of relief.
0: Absolutely. That's so hard. I mean, it's so heartbreaking in a way that you were looking for her and she was looking for you for so long.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah and my brother, my brother, they said he used to um go on social media mm-hmm. and he used to anybody that had a name that sounded like mine, he, you know, wrote them and things like that. So the fact that, you know, I had a family that was loving and that was looking for me. Yeah,
0: that was looking for you. That that yeah. must feel really good. Yeah. And so how did that change you, making that discovery?
1: Um, making that discovery, it, I'm very more grounded. And I have more self-assurance. Um, I used to always want to change myself for some reason. Um, because everyone I was around, they just made me feel like I had to be a certain way. And they made me feel like you know that the way I was wasn't normal, yeah. but being around my family you know every everyone has flaws, you know, but they didn't, it doesn't make me feel like i don't I now feel comfortable with who I am, and I know the things I need to change, but I don't feel like I need to change my personality or change who I am anymore
0: Is there anything that you do want to change?
1: Um, I would like to be more forgiving.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, I want to be more forgiving in regards to the situation that I'm in now um, with some things that I found out about, you know, just the way that I was taken from my mom by my dad and um, just the way communication was cut off. Absolutely. I just feel like, I just feel like I um right now I need to learn a little bit of forgiveness um because of the fact that I never got to meet her and then yeah. when I finally found her she was gone. Mm-hmm. So I have to practice forgiveness also um from my stepmom um because she used to physically abuse me and my little brother. Mm-hmm. So that's how we initially got into foster care. And then once we got into foster care, um they asked my dad you know, where's the mom? So he said, You know, I don't know. This is the last place she was. You know, really didn't tell that much. Then they yeah. were like, Okay, well, where's the, where's her siblings or where's her family? And they do that because they they would rather a child go to family than to foster care. Yeah, of course. So when they asked that, he said, No, he didn't know. And then come to find out that my mom had eight siblings. Right. So I have all these aunts and uncles. And then on top of that, he was in the he was in the military with my uncle, so he knew them. So the fact that he told the you know the foster care people, you know, I don't know them. I feel like that was the chance for him to give us a better life, you know, yeah, because absolutely. he wasn't the one that uh, he wasn't the one that physically abused us. She was, but at that moment, you you know you could have told them where they were at, and then he signed his rights away so he just gave us away. So on top of you giving us away, you also said that you didn't know our family. So now we have to go and foster care. So I want to learn forgiveness to him um, for what he did.
0: Yeah. That's a lot. You know, that's a lot to forgive.
1: (laughs) Yes, that is a lot. And then um, with my stepmom, I, I want to learn to forgive her because it was her initial abuse that started the cycle of you know, us being in foster care. She got basically got the train running
0: yeah.
1: for my life to go downhill. So I feel like if I wasn't abused and things like that, I wouldn't have had to go through things. So I have to learn forgiveness with her because I feel like, you know, if, if I wasn't abused I wouldn't have to go into foster care and things like that. So that's why I want to find, you know, just forgiveness to both of them. That's something that, you know, I feel like I need to work on with myself. And I know it'll take time, but, Mm -hmm. you know, that's something that I definitely know that I need to work on.
0: And how do you think you do that? How
1: do you think you get to forgiveness? To get to forgiveness, um, I feel like the first thing you need to do is talk about it, which is something that is the challenge um that I'm going through because um when I asked my dad and my stepmom about what happened you know they don't want to talk about it and I feel yeah. like that's the first thing to forgiveness is to first you know admit that something went wrong
0: sure yeah it's really hard to forgive someone who won't even acknowledge what happened yeah. Yeah, And I think that's
1: the part that stops me from forgiving because I, you know, I just want answers. And of course he can't answer, my dad can't answer why my mom passed away. Only my family knows that, but I would want to know, you know, why not keep in contact and things like that. So that's where I'm at right now, um, where I just want to practice forgiveness. And I feel like the first step is talking about it.
0: Yeah. Getting all the information and just, you know, getting that story out. I agree, but I also think that sometimes we try to skip steps, you know, in like the grief recovery process (laughs) and we try to get to acceptance a little too soon and the only way out is through, you know, and sometimes you have to get mad before you can forgive, you know, and you kind of have to feel that full range of, of feelings. Involved in that because something was taken from you completely unjustly and unfairly. And so I think you have every right to feel angry and to grieve and, you know, go through whatever feelings you need to go through before you get to that place of forgiveness. But I also understand that not forgiving someone, it just hurts you, you know, because it's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die, to feel, you know, resentful towards someone. Right.
1: Correct. I believe that. I, that's why I don't, I don't want to, I, I I'm past the stage where I'm mad when it first happened. Initially I was mad yeah. and I'm still mad. Um, but now I'm just to the point as to, you know, why, and I don't, you know, I don't want to live in resent and right. um, bitterness. You know, I don't mm-hmm. want to live like mm-hmm. that. So that's why, you know, I already have forgiveness. I I don't think it's, you know, I have forgiveness, but I just feel like I also want to talk about it as well. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. That's really hard. That's a hard place to be, to want to mm-hmm. talk to someone about something and just have them keep shutting it down.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So... Who do you think needs to hear this story?
1: People that have given up hope if they have like a loved one because I found my mom at the twenty six years, you know, and both of my brothers are incarcerated, so if it wasn't for me, you know how would they have found each other so that is something that I want to encourage everyone um I think that single mothers um, need to hear my story because even though I went through all of this, I'm still a mother and I'm a single mother. And even though my childhood was, you know, kind of taken away from me, altered a little bit, um, I still came out of it doing very well. And I'm still striving. Um, I feel like anyone that's been in my position, because there's many aspects of my life um me being in foster care that's just one aspect of my life Um, me finding my family that's just one small aspect but I've also danced you know I danced for 17 years Mm -hmm. I mean I danced since I was 17 and I'm there or are going through that because it's a lot of girls in there that have it or they think that's all they. so that's why I made my book and I got to a place where I had senses and I thought about my life and I thought about everything that I went through and I just decided that that wasn't the end of my life. So I changed and I okay. didn't know at the time that I was going to be an author or a speaker. Mm-hmm. I just knew that it was something else that I needed to be doing. So when I changed, it was so many people that was asking me because they saw me in the club and now they, it was just like, you know, I saw this girl in the club and now she's changing. and they asked me how and mm-hmm. while i was changing i wrote the book so i wrote it in real time while i was changing i feel like the book is the foundation because it's many aspects of self reinvention it's a yeah. lot of things that go into personal development but i feel like that book was the foundation yeah for for me um because it was from the it was a collection of things that i used from the books that i was reading Yeah. And I put it all into, you know, my self-reinvention. So I feel like the glow up is um, a blueprint for Mm -hmm. people. So it's a lot of people when you ask me, you know, who needs to hear my story? A lot of people.
0: Yeah. A lot of people. Do you want to give the audience some specific tools from, from the book for self-reinvention? Yes.
1: Um, The most important the most important thing um, that I want to talk about from the book is changing your mindset Mm -hmm. because I listen to a lot of um, Bob Proctor and he talks about paradigms and how we all have these paradigms and they come from us as a child and just the environment and paradigms for people that don't know are just a set way of thinking like a Mm -hmm. set way that you have that has accumulated that you do subconsciously without even knowing. Mm -hmm. And in my book, I talk about influencing your subconscious mind, which is something that I learned about when I was reading Napoleon Hill, um, thinking real rich. Mm -hmm. And I talked about that in the book because I had to change I had to change, not just my mind, but I had to change like my mindset, like the way that I thought about things. And I had to change the way I looked at things mm-hmm. because I was in the club for so long. Yeah. And a perfect example, I talked about it in the book as well, was when I got a job. I After I had my son, I went to school to be a medical assistant and I got my D and um, I became a medical assistant and I got hired during my internship. And I was doing good at first. And then I started back, you know, going to the club. And Mm -hmm. first it started out as just the weekend. And then that paradigm in my mind that stuck with me from when I was 17, Mm -hmm. I just, I wanted fast money. And that was a paradigm that I had. And I didn't realize it until I really started studying and, you know, researching the things that I research now. But that was the paradigm that I had. And it, I I lost my job because I wanted to be so stuck in the club and dancing that I, I lost my job and I had to start back dancing. So yeah. with the um, part of influencing your subconscious mind, I had to read and break out of the cycle and the mindset that I had because before that same mindset, made me lose my job. So in the book I talk about the mindset that you have to have and about looking at things differently mm-hmm. and just about shifting what you knew that wasn't working for you and doing something different. Um I talk about brainstorming sessions, which I feel like is good for people because I hear a lot of people say they don't know it. They want to do, or they don't know what they want to be, or they're stuck on this or that. And um, the brainstorming session is where you just take time out, like cut off everything, electronic, music, just cut off everything, and you just sit with space and paper and you just write down whatever comes to president. If it comes to your mind, just write it. And that plays a major role in my creative process. Um, anything that I saw that influenced me, I'll write it down. And I feel like that will help a lot of people because so many people, a lot of people that I talk to, they say, I don't really know what I want to do. And they always tell me, you just know, you just know what you're doing in life. Like, how do you know? And, you know, the creative process. So my book, it breaks down a lot of the stuff that I do to, you know, be who I am. Mm-hmm. and like i said that's not the only book i have so many books like i probably need a library um <laughs> of the books that i have but i feel like um that's the found the my book is the foundation it'll give you the core elements that you need to change and reinvent yourself to be who you want to be
0: yeah so let's talk for a minute that mindset that you get in of i need i need cash now like I need fast money because I hear that a lot. That's a really common kind of mindset trap, right? Of like, yes. yeah, but I need money now. So let's, yeah. let's examine that a little bit more. What is the problem with that mindset and how do you get out of it?
1: The problem with that mindset of getting fast money, which I, a lot of people don't agree with it. But I just, um, I learned about it in Napoleon Hill's book, Thinking Grow Rich. Mm-hmm. And I also um, read about it in The Richest Man in Babylon. Mm-hmm. And um, the problem with fast money is you don't earn it. In all the books that I see, uh, all the books that I read, and all of the personal growth, like I, I watch the... The Secret by Rhonda Byrne. I watched the, mm-hmm. that movie. Um, and all of those things, it talks about how people that don't earn the money by the laws of the universe, you're not going to keep it. Right. And people don't understand <laughs> that that is true. When you look at the people that gamble, when you look at mm-hmm. the people that, oh, put $300 in and you will get 3000 it doesn't work. The law is the law of the universe, you know, and people don't understand it and people probably don't want to believe it, but it's true. And another thing that I think about when people want to have that get rich, get money fast, is so society. They want the money fast, not because they need it, but because they want to get all of these things to impress people. And that is what I what I feel. I feel like people don't trust the process.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, they
1: ha- they they look at all of these rappers and they look at these moguls and they just see the result and oh. they don't really look at or know the time and the energy. and the sleepless nights, and the research, and the school, Mm. and the self-education that went into those people. That's right. So that's, I talk about trusting the process
0: Mm -hmm. in
1: um, my book, because that's something that I feel like a lot of people need to realize is that, yes, it's good that you get a business, but you have to realize that you're not going to be on the Forbes list next month right it takes time for you to get to that level Mm -hmm. so I feel like once people understand that number one when you get money it's it's going to leave you very quickly so if you don't get it the right way you you can't try to get the right things by doing by getting it the wrong way yeah so I feel like once people realize that Um, they'll get out of that mindset. And once they focus on longevity and less on right now and focus on the process, I feel like they'll get out of that mindset.
0: I think the things that have helped me more than anything is focusing on just creating value, creating something that's really valuable and worry less about, you know, what am I going to get in exchange for this? And worry more about, Putting more value out into the world.
1: And I always tell people to stop looking at what's going to make money or what you think is going to make money and do Mm -hmm. something that you love. That's right. And I think that's the key to do something that you love so it doesn't feel like work and you don't really think about the money because you're doing something that you actually like and you're not focused on who else is doing it or you know, you're not focused on any outside influences because you're just doing what you love. So I always tell people to follow their passion. Um, I'll talk about that in my book as well about pursuing, you know, your passion and your gifts.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's a big thing is that people think, oh, well this, you know, this is the practical thing to do. This is, this is the smart choice. And often it turns out that it's not like with COVID, we've seen this where suddenly people who, you know, did, made all the, the practical choices, did all the things that they were told to do, right. Followed all the rules and then still ended up losing everything because the bottom line is they're not doing something that they were passionate about enough to keep doing it when all, you know, when the world is falling apart around them. And that's the thing. It's like, if you don't have the fire for something, then don't bother. (laughs) You know
1: what I mean? Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, All right. Well, the, the last question I usually ask, we've kind of covered, but I want to hear what you have to say about this. What is the main message or takeaway from your story?
1: The main message from my story is that you can be whoever you want to be, Mm -hmm. no matter where you came from, but you do have to work for it. Mm -hmm. you can't just expect it to come so my message from my story is that you know you don't have to be perfect and you don't have to have it all together to get started and you don't have to have the perfect you know backstory Um, you don't have to grow up with the perfect childhood in order for you to succeed and I feel like from my story people should go out and find what they're passionate about and make it a living and turn it into, you know, the purpose behind your life.
0: Absolutely. In fact, I think people who had like a perfect childhood often don't end up succeeding because they don't have that drive and that motivation. Mm -hmm. Your pain can be your superpower. Mm -hmm. Everything that happens happens for you, definitely, not to you. Yeah. So is there anything else you would like the audience to know?
1: I would like them to be on the lookout for my documentary. Mm -hmm. And I will also encourage them to start now with doing what they love. Absolutely. So where can they find you and your book? My book is available on my website, M S U N I Q U E K A M-S-U-N-I-Q-U-E-K-A.com. It's also available on Walmart.com with two-day free shipping when you order through Walmart, and it's also available on eBay. You can also order a an ebook as well.
0: Fantastic! Well, thank you so much for joining me today. You're welcome. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you found this episode inspiring or at least entertaining. Please subscribe and tell all of your friends to subscribe and you know, like me and rate me and say nice things about me on social media. All that stuff really matters and it costs you zero dollars. And speaking of things that cost zero dollars, I give out 20 minute consultations for free for new clients. So listen, if you've got a story you're not telling, a brand that's in need of an authentic voice or a brand voice that's in need of great content and an audience to enjoy it, I would love to help you out. Head on over to my website, that'saloud.com, to find out more. Are you ready to make your voice heard? Good, because that's allowed.